Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tuesday afternoon. I'm Natasha Mikkel and I'm delighted to be joined by Liam and Lawrence. Now, it's been a while since I've been on with you guys on a Tuesday, so I feel like we've got a bit of catching up to do. So I want to hear you guys' thoughts on the last couple of fixtures. I want to look ahead to our first European tie, which is, of course, a week today. We'll talk about a little bit about our international sales as Scotland take on England tonight at Hampden. Um, and we'll talk about our girls' European campaign um, and it's sadly coming to an end at the weekend. Celtic squad list for Europe has just been announced, so we've got plenty to get through today. But firstly, Liam Lawrence, how are you both? Good, good. Um, uh, just with reference to the international game, I'm j- I just want to point out that uh, Celtic's Japanese translator has three times the number of medals that the England captain does. Just... Just saying. Oh, that's, a great, that's a great start to, to kick us off. <laughs> great start. Um, but before before we get into, into that and before we get into the rest of today's show, I want to, to have a wee bit of a recap. Um, like I said, I've not been on in a while and it's nice to reflect um, and see where we are and look back over recent results, in particular that all-important Derby win. I know that it's been covered on the, the show already. The listeners have had the chance to have their say, but... I want to, to catch up with you two and what I want to know is what it's it's taught you about the team, what we've learned about the team since I was last on um, and how that stands us going forward. I think I remember, Lawrence, the last time I was on here, um, you know, it was, it was a little bit difficult. We'd had the Cup result, we'd had the St Johnston result and I think I was just a little bit concerned about the fact that it wasn't clicking. Um, for me, there was a little bit of apprehension going into the Ibrox tie um, and I think that game taught me a lot about the mentality of the team and it taught me a lot about Rodgers' ability as a manager. It certainly reminded me of how good he tactically is in these big games, which I think he got he got spot on in the last tie that we had. Lawrence, what have you learned about the team since we last spoke, both in terms of the team as a whole and maybe individually as well? I think the main thing from that game is, and 
it's not just us that's uh, got the realisation, but it's probably why there was such a big fallout and, and rumours of sacking. As uh, you realise, Brendan's actually back, and you know when he's in charge, they lose. <laughs> you, you know, and he's, he's promised he's going to be here for three years. So they're looking of three years of losing, which you know I know they're not that old a club, and they're obviously used to losing throughout their history. But it looks like it's going to continue, which you know is great news for us as Celtic fans. Well, Liam Scales, you know, performed a lot better than I thought, thought he would. You know, still, you know, Champions League on the horizon. We're still worried about left back and mm-hmm. goalkeeper, but Joe Hart had a fine game. Dyson was great. Would you say the team's really clicked into top gear yet? Probably not, but then again, we didn't need to, to beat them. Yeah. I think, um, Liam, that is one thing that I was probably surprised about the most, and if I look back to, to the last broadcast we did together to this one, the performance of, of Liam Scales is one thing that I maybe didn't expect to be commenting on so positively. Last time, I think in most quarters, Liam wasn't really going to be considered as a legitimate option going forward. Um, and while I'm not suggesting that one game and one good performance changes anything significantly, I do think he's proving himself as probably quite an able deputy, at least domestically. I was really impressed with him at Ibrox, and I think that'll stand him in very good stead going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've I've never been more delighted to be proven completely wrong about a Celtic player. <laughs> uh, you know, I said he wasn't Celtic class, but he showed the character and the determination um, when we needed it most. And whatever happens of his Celtic career from here on out, he can be very proud of what he did at Ibrox. And I think last time we were on, if I remember correctly, I did say I was apprehensive going into that game. Everything was in their favour. The crowd, the, the the form, the availability of like the you know the squad depth, etc. Everything was in Rangers' favour, and we still beat them. And what a what a mental blow that is to them. And you can tell from the absolute hysteria amongst their support that that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's. You know, I, I said I wasn't sure going into the game, but, I said, but if we could win this, what a what an almighty mental step forward it is for us. And yeah. it is the perfect springboard to kickstart the, the rest of the season. Um, you know, if we can just go on a run now and win our next eight or nine games, which I don't think Rangers will, um, you know, we could get to, get to Christmas and by the next time we play them, we could be 10 points clear. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think as important a three points it was, I think Lawrence, what it has done in terms of the feeling around the club, I think what it's done in terms of the momentum is almost as important as those three points themselves. Because I think people went into that game just as Liam did, just as I did, um, a little bit concerned, a little bit worried about the way we were performing, a little bit worried about the start of the season. And I think, albeit it is one result in three points, I think what that's done for fans' confidence fans' belief that we will get better as the season goes on. We did just need a little bit of time at the start. It is just going to need time to start clicking. I think giving fans that belief and reassurance with that result at Ibrox is equally as important as the three points. And the momentum and confidence it gives the players as well, I think, will be invaluable, Lawrence, in the games to come. Yeah, but we'll, we couldn't have afforded three bad games in a row. But let's be honest, in the Two performances before that weren't stellar performances. Slaves touched on, you know, 
they played the defence that we could play because of, you know that because of injury. They've never had a better chance to take points. You know they've got the the world beaters in from all over. Spent fifteen million quid. Probably most of they don't have uh, to sign footballing giants like Lammers and Dessers. And yeah, they went good enough to beat our thrown together defence. I think they are forwards. I'm not too sure because apparently in the playing records they don't score a lot of goals. But it could be a tactical genius move to sign non-scoring forwards. Who knows? <laughs> I'm not sure that that will prove to be the case. Um, I want to talk about the games coming up. Um, Obviously, Dundee is first, but as our tagline says, it is one week until the Champions League opener. A week today is our first Champions League tie away to Feyenoord. Um, A game I'm really excited about. I am heading over to, to Rotterdam for the game, heading over on Monday afternoon for the game on Tuesday evening. So, you know, I personally can't wait for these European ties to come back down. As much as I'm very happy that we don't have to do the, the qualifying route um, by, by winning the league, I, you do miss the, the European football. So I'm very excited to get back to it. And, you know, sitting there watching the Champions League draw is so exciting, you know, for the especially for some of the fans who are, are going to travel away to these games. You know, not only are you finding out the teams that will be taking on in this prestigious competition, you're finding out you know, that added excitement of where the trips will be, what stadiums you're going to see, which cities you're going to visit. So I'm um, pretty excited about the way that the draw shaped up in that result. But um, first up is Rotterdam for Feyenoord. Now, Liam, I'm reading that they have a bit of an, an injury crisis on their hands. Um, if you're to believe the daily record, um, and that's a topic for another day. But um, mm. I don't think we'll let that media chat let us get in any way complacent. Um, what they're reporting is that their frontman, Ueda, seems to have picked up an injury while on international duty with Japan. I'm sure you can probably tell us a bit more about that. But I think that leaves them with a bit of lack of attacking options. You know, their first choice, Jimenez is suspended for the first two group stage games. Their goalkeeper is missing out through breaking his wrist. One of their defenders missed the Dutch national game against Ireland on Sunday through injury. So they do seem to have a bit of an injury problem. But in saying that, they're still a very strong side. We can't possibly underestimate them, especially away from home. Um, but what can you tell us about what you know about um, their forward injury situation? Um, well, Japan are actually playing a match, which I'm going to watch directly after this game, uh, directly after this show, rather, um, against Turkey in the Kirin Cup tonight. And I'm assuming that he's going to play no part in that and probably um, that means that Dyson and or Kyogo is going to get the nod, which worries me because Turkey are quite a physical team and they're going to get stuck in. Um, and mm, I just hope that, you know, we were talking about, oh, it's great. One of their best players has got injured. Two of our best players have still got a match to get through tonight. So let's just be, let's just be careful what we wish for there, you know? Um and also, I think that, um, you know, the Daily Record were making similar noises about us before we went to Ibrooks, and look how that turned out. So I don't read too much into injury crises, especially in Europe, because in Europe you come up against teams that have that squad depth. Mm-hmm. And so the squad depth is going to be such that whoever you face is going to be quality. Um, <laughs> but I'm optimistic. I think... 
I think we could definitely get a draw over there. And that could be the perfect springboard for the rest of the European campaign if we can. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that is something that we shouldn't be writing off. I don't think despite the fact that they've come out of pot one means that, you know, away from home, it's a game that we can't win and that we can't take points from. You know, where a club like Celtic should be going into to most games thinking that they can impose themselves. And I remember something that Andrew Postacoglu always used to say is that he never went into a game thinking that he couldn't win it. He talked about taking Australia to the World Cup and said, of course, he went into that thinking that he could potentially win it. Because what was the point in being there if you don't think that you're going to win it? So I like that mentality. Um, I think it's a very winning mentality and one that I think that we should be taking over to to Feyenoord. Lawrence, as much as we've talked about their injury problems and the potential problems they have in terms of strike force, um, we still have injury problems of our own that can't be ignored, particularly defensively. So, you know, as, as much as we can look at their attacking options being somewhat limited... Our defensive options are also somewhat limited. Yeah, listen, Brendan's team on on the road in Europe. I think he knows he's back, and that's where he's got to make progress in, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're limited defensively. See, Cat Vickers is in the squad, which is good good news. I think you know how close he. I don't think he'll play against Feyenoord. I think we'll probably. Probably the same defence as went against Ibrox, unless we, we, we include the, the Liverpool loanee and push him in. Uh, so, you know, if it didn't fill you with uh, dread at Ibrox, you know, what what might have happened? Certainly, I'd, I'd say Feyenoord are going to prove a tougher nut to crack away from home than you know, Rangers are proven uh, mm. at Ibrox. So, yeah, I think the defence is in for a bit of a tough test, whether they've got a first choice strikers are not fit uh, but yeah. Angie's idea that we've got, we plan to win, I'm sure Brendan will have a plan to win that game, uh, if Kyogo's fit, you know we've got a crack and goal scorer, uh, as Liam predicted almost two years ago, the best striker since Larson, so yeah, you know a lot, we've got a lot to offer going forward you just got to kind of keep it tight in the back haven't we, and, and, and mm-hmm. hope that these guys can pull off you know, another clean sheet for us Talking about the, the players that we will have available and won't have available, the Celtic Champions League squad has been announced this morning, just before we came on air. Um, and as well as the expected inclusions and omissions, I thought I would read out some of the ones who were probably on the line. Um, so in terms of players in and who have made the cut, Liam Scales has, Matt Phillips has, Tomoki has, Bernardo has and Johnston has. Whilst the players who have not made the cut are Seagrist, Narochke, Kobayashi, Bernabe, Quan, McCarthy and Tilio. Liam, any surprises in there for you? Um, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, but Johnson's in there for the quota, isn't he, really? Um, uh, is, it, is it Mikey Johnson you're talking about, or Alistair Johnson, sorry? Um, let me pull my list back up and confirm that one for you, it's not Mikey Johnston, it is Alistair Johnston. Right, okay, then, then, then I'm talking nonsense. Ignore what I just said. Um, <laughs> no, but we do, um, no, we do, we, you know, uh, I think Quan and Tilio, I mean, Tilio's injury notwithstanding, they're both players that were looking at development, you know, squad players for a bit further down the line. Uh, you don't want to chuck. 
players straight into the Champions League when they've just come from Australia and Korea. They need some time to adapt. Um, you know, a bit of a criticism of Ange's first Champions League campaign was that we did, you know, some of our players who had come from further afield. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There was a feeling they kind of got found out at that level because they weren't ready. So mm. I don't see anything wrong with um, taking our time and maybe not pitching our international players straight into it. Um, no, I think it's a good squad. I think it's a strong squad. I am glad that the, like you say, the players who are borderline are in. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's just, it's yeah, I, I'm optimistic. We'll, we'll see how we go, but I'm optimistic. One thing that I'm seeing um, in the comments coming through that people are expressing a little bit of surprise at, Lawrence, is the fact that there's only two goalkeepers in that squad, Joe Hart, and Scott Bain. Um, relatively surprising to see that one. It's normally in a, a team like that. I think traditionally we've always had three, but Brendan's went, have we ever needed three? Now we've now said that, but, you know, and he's thinking, look, it'll give me a few more options. So he's maybe just looked at it and went, when have we ever needed three? Three mm. keepers in a yeah. Champions League group stage. And if answer's never, he's like, many have been in right. It's probably more prudent to get maybe Carter Vickers included, who's probably not going to play against Feyenoord, but could they take part in the later group stages. So maybe he's looking at things like that, like I'll put someone that's coming back from injury in, and he'll sacrifice a keeper for it. Mm-hmm. I think some of the, the more surprising ones for, for me, Liam, um, and Stephen Donnelly is agreeing in the chat. This is one that I was going to bring up. Um, and thank you for commenting, Stephen. If anyone else wants to give us their views on the, the squad, who's made it, who hasn't, please pop them in the chat and, and we'll have a look at what you're thinking as well as what we're thinking. But what I'm thinking is in line with Stephen Donnelly. His comment is on the screen right now. He says he's surprised Marochki is not included. Liam, I think I'm probably surprised at that one too. Um, you know, we recently brought him in, surely with the intention of going forward and being one of you know our, our first, if not backup, centre-halves. Has the arrival of Nat Phillips perhaps changed his position in the squad? The the thing is, though, even with Phillips coming in, I would still, based on the very little that we've seen of them, I would still have Navroski over um over Lagerbielka if it was a choice between the two. Um, but we don't know the extent of his injury, and mm-hmm. maybe Brendan thinks that you know it's it, it's someone who might not 
come back quick enough to play enough of a part to justify his inclusion. Um, so, I as as the commenters just saying there, he yeah. might be out. His injury might be a wee bit longer than we than we might hope. So, if he's not going to be back until you know late October, early November, he's already missed half the campaign. So, there's probably not much point bringing him in at that point. Yeah, the commentators are coming in and agreeing with that one, Lawrence. I think that's likely to be the case, is that perhaps, as Michael is saying in the comments, we're expecting Narochki to be out longer than first thought. Um, well, again, I think that to be need, though. You know, in, in the Champions League squad, you know, Phillips is in and he's fit. You know, we don't think Cat Vickers is fit. Welsh counts as club trained. So maybe you're looking go, right, we're heavy in centre-halves just now. Not fit centre halves, but as a as a whole, it could be worse. Or it could just be said, "Well, look, put Carter Vickers in. He's not going to play all the group games. I don't need another centre half who's also injured that's not going to play all the group games. That doesn't count as club trained or league trained. Mm. It would be, yeah. I, th- I think he's got enough centre halves in the squad. Yeah, a bit of an a bit of an empty space. The one thing that concerns me about going into this campaign is still defensively. I think um, I think we have strong potential going forward. I think our forward play can be very good, but the difference in Europe is the quality of the opposition, Liam, in terms of how ruthless they can be in attack. You know, a defensive error domestically does not always result in conceding a goal. In Europe, you absolutely will get punished and our back line will be tested more than ever. You know, and unfortunately, that still, I think, is where we are a little light as a result of some of the injuries that we've seen. Having Alistair Johnson back is great. Hopefully, you know, he'll be fit after coming off um, in our last game and, and ready to go. But I do still think we're a little weak in the left-back position. Burnaby hasn't even made the squad. We're relying solely on Greg Taylor in Europe. And, of course, the loss of the experience of Carter Vickers, I think, is still massive. It's going to be a huge ask for Lagerbier to step up. Um mm. And I think that going into these ties, I am still a little bit concerned about being a little bit light at the back, Liam. Absolutely. Um, you know, as as great as the as the victory uh, at Ibrox was, we have to kind of, you know, keep our feet on the ground here. Um, aye, we went there and we won, and that was that's a great result. But. I don't think it's much of a barometer for what we're going to do in Europe because, um, one, I don't think Rangers are that great a team. Two, um, if you look back on the match, our best players on the day were, in my opinion, our centre-half, our goalkeeper, and Dyson Maeda, largely for his defensive display rather than his attacking display. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was all, you know, it was a great it was a great result, but it was at some times a kind of a back-to-the-wall performance. And... You know, we need to keep that sort of reality check there and say, well, aye, okay. You know, it beating your nearest rivals is a great springboard to go into Europe. But, <laughs> you know, we beat a team that are not that great and Feyenoord is going to be a much, much harder challenge. And we need to be, we need to have realistic expectations for this. That's why I think at best we'll get a draw. Um, I don't see us going there and winning because I don't think we're quite there yet. And like you say, the defence is a concern. Um, but who knows? With yeah. Celtic, anything is possible. <laughs> it, is. it certainly is. Um, 
What's something that the comments are coming in on um, is saying that they don't see Liam Scales in the squad. Um, my only comment on that is that you're looking at the Daily Records squad list. Um, and if you're using that as your source of accurate information, I would change your source of accurate information. The UEFA website has the squad list. Liam Scales is in the squad and Narochki is not in the squad, contrary to the list that you might see on some mainstream media outlets. Um, Lauren, that brings a point up that's coming through in the comments. Um, are we solely relying on Taylor at left back or do you think the intention is that um, Liam Scales is a deputy at left back? I think he's a deputy, deputy but you know, Taylor's your starter, isn't he? Uh, We've got to realise, you know, there's a chance Taylor could get injured. So, you know, who steps in? And it, and it's Liam Scales. So, you know, decent enough season at Aberdeen at centre half. He came back in at Ibrox centre half. Is you know one of our better players. But it's something I think we're all surprised that Celtic hadn't sorted out during the transfer window, bringing in a challenger for Greg Taylor. Yeah, but. Here we are, you know, millions in the bank. And we're, we're still where we were in June in, in terms of left-backs. Mm-hmm. No, it is, it is a concern. And one thing that we can come on to talk about, which has been mentioned in the comments, is whether we are in a stronger position for this year's Champions League campaign or a weaker position in terms of the squad. But I want to bring up this comment from Ewan Boy Martin, um, who says he's well interested to see how Brendan Rodgers sets up in Rotterdam. He thinks we'll be solid at the back and use our pace up front. And that <laughs> sounds good to me. I'd like to see that. I think for me, I think if we've been going into it unchanged from last year or relatively unchanged from last year, I think I would have a little bit more confidence, you know, as, successful as Andrew was throughout his time here you know the next manager he played some really great football one thing that he didn't fulfill his potential in and didn't fulfill the squad's potential in was in Europe and I think frustratingly I think if we'd stayed together as a unit with Postacoglu in charge continuing the same brand of football everyone very sure of their positions what they're meant to be doing I think I'd felt a lot more confident going into this game a week tonight and indeed the campaign as a whole, I think the third year of a project, we could really have hit the ground running, really have made a strong impact in this group. Um, and I think the progress has been halted a little bit prematurely by Andrew's departure. Um, and it feels like we've taken a slight step back in terms of a reset. I think it will click. I think it's clear that it's coming together. I don't think it's quite there yet. A week today until the first Champions League game feels quite soon for me but like the comment coming in from you and says I'm interested to see how Roger sets up I think if it had been Postacoglu I think we would know exactly what we were going to see because he wouldn't have changed his game plan his game his plan B was do plan A better we were told that from <laughs> the beginning with Rogers, Liam I think I think we might maybe a bit likely to see something a bit different from him in Europe than we might see domestically Something that Brendan Rodgers has over Ange Postacoglu, I think, is the ability to win ugly. Um, Again, you know, we saw that in the last game. Um, Not the prettiest performance, but we got the result. And I think that 
in Europe, that's going to be especially important. There's no point going out there and playing spectacular, free-flowing, attacking football if you get gubbed 5-0, you know. Um, so I think that we maybe were a wee bit naive last year and lacked a bit of that pragmatism. And I think that uh, Brendan will bring that with having the, you know, having been down this course before, he'll be a wee bit more savvy about what to do in that regard. Um, you know, it's no slight on Ange, but any manager in their first Champions League is going to get a bit of a baptism of fire, you know. And maybe we did set the bar a wee bit too high last season in that regard. Um, but this year, we have an easier group than we did last year. Um, still three very good teams, but, you know, eminently beatable. I think all three of them on their day are beatable, especially at Celtic Park. Um and yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. I do agree with you, Natasha. I think it might be a wee bit too soon for this squad. What I'm hoping is if we can get third place by the end of the year, things will click and then we can have a serious tilt going, in the, going into the later stages of the Europa. I think that's right. Um, I do. And I agree with you. I don't think that it is as difficult a group as last season. We're in the Champions League. Every team that we are going to play is a top league. They're in the group stage. They're a top team. They're in the group stages of the Champions League for a reason. There's no easy draw here. Um, but one thing, Lawrence, I considered when the draw was made was that maybe it was going to be better to get a really strong pot one team, a team that is going to get maximum points, let them get the maximum points from all of their games and leave more of a battle for the second and third place spots. What I'm slightly concerned about is that Feyenoord are a very top team, but they are not one of the top, top teams from pot one. Um, they're not the strongest in that pot. And I think that some of the other teams in our group, ourselves included, fancy a shot at them, fancy taking points off them. Um, so I think what we might see in this group, um, Lawrence, is other teams taking points off that pot one team and then there being a more even split across the group in terms of where those points are. Um, which in turn can actually make it slightly more difficult to get out of a group like that. Of course, all speculation. That's what we're that's what we're here for. We like to talk about it. Lawrence, any any concerns about that from your side? Well, first of all, we you know with the no easy draws in the Champions League, I think Liverpool last season might disagree with you. <laughs> but for us in Feyenoord, I'd be a lot happier if everyone was fit. You know, if Carter Vickers. It, it, it's fit, you're a lot happier, aren't you? You know, you've got a top pairing at centre half then, but other teams might take points off them, but we can only really worry about what we do. It's up to us to take points. You know, and Brendan will be telling tell me that, you know, you take points in, in day one. It's probably any point away from home is a bonus, you know. When the game's at Celtic Park and anything away from home is a bonus. So take points off fire odd. And the first game would be ideal, you know, the pot one team. If we're the first team to take points off them, it makes them a wee bit more desperate for points. You know, so it maybe gives them the wake-up call against the other teams. <coughs> so we, we may be fortunate in that way. You know, we've got enough going forward that you'd expect us to score. Mm-hmm. It's keeping it tight at the back, isn't it? You know, Rod's style of football, retaining the ball. So we should limit the amount of chances they get. It's just... Yeah. It's, I think... team, they might not need a lot. Mm. I think the key is, like you say, going to keep it tight at the back defensively. There's the list there. Johnson, Taylor, Lagerbjerg, Scales, Phillips, CCB, Ralston and Welsh Lawrence. 
going into a Champions League campaign a week today, did you expect a stronger defensive list than the one we see there? So, let's go. Johnston is back for brilliant. Taylor, you know, happy days. He, he's, he's proven an able defender with you know, yeah, we, we've all said it, you know, he needs competition for that position. Lagerby Elka, a bit unknown, I think he's looked okay. Scales, beginning of the season, we've all said, you know, could do with an upgrade. Phillips, you know, he's a Liverpool reserve. You've seen his YouTube reel, he looks all right, but he's a bit unknown. Carter Vickers injured. Tony Ralston, he's been here forever and keeps proving everyone wrong. So hopefully he does it again. And Stephen Welsh injured. So I suppose, you know, we've got six out of eight fit defenders when you look at it that way. A couple of them fairly unknown to us, which gives us four known defenders for kicking off the Champions League. Mm. Yeah, they definitely expected us to be in a better position than that. I think anyone would, you know, Brendan wouldn't have chosen that as his starting position, would he? Four mm. known defenders. And I think but, that is going to be the most tested. It is the position we find ourselves in now, but for me, that is where we're going to be the most tested. Liam, we talked about it the attacking form is much more ruthless in the Champions League than it is domestically. These guys are up for a tough test. Here's where I think that we actually are pretty strong, and that's across the middle. I think we're strong in the middle of the park in the midfield list that we have. It's Atati, Holm, Awata, Bernardo, O'Reilly, McGregor and Turnbull. And I think, Liam, I think that's quite strong. I think we're strong in the middle. I'm glad to see Awata in there because there have been concerns about does Rogers not fancy him as a player or whatever? So the fact that he's part of that setup, whereas other, you know, the likes of Quan are not, I think that's a, that's a, a positive sign for for Iwata. Um, you know, don't know how much of a part he ultimately play in the the games, but it's good that he's there. And also Hatate, it shows the manager is confident that he will be back at his best sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. David Turnbull's in there on merit based on the way he started the season. Uh, home, I like what I've seen so far. Bernardo, unknown quantity. O'Reilly and McGregor, well, you know what you're getting with those two, and it's always top class. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm. I think the midfield is, yeah, it's 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 pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Going going forward again, let's look at the the wingers. Again, some new entities for us to consider in here because we've got Palma, Abada, Yang, Forrest, Maeda and Liam there is Mikey Johnston in there as mm. well. Don't always believe the list that you see in the mainstream media. So there's the wingers, <laughs> Palma, Abada, Yang, Forrest, Maeda and Mikey Johnston. Lawrence, again, I think if I'm looking at it, I think that we are weaker than we were last year, only in the sense that I think Jota is a huge miss in the Champions League. I think those were the games that he could really come alive in. I think he had some of his better games um, in the Champions League. You remember that goal in Madrid for one. Um, but again, some, some more unknown entities. We've not seen Palma. We don't know, see what he can do. Unfortunately, Tillio's missed out because he's still not going to be fully fit. But in terms of the, the options on the wing, Lawrence, how does that stack up, do you think, going into the Champions League? I think it's a... Disappointing start up. Um, much like defence, we're probably all prepared. You'd have thought Abada and Mera would definitely be guys that would be vying for a start this year. Forest experienced campaigner. Yang's looked okay. What we've seen, Palmo and very late, we've not really seen anything of 
and Mikey Johnston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's in there just to make up the numbers. Who knows? He didn't okay loan spell out, but I think everyone, mm. you know, would if you'd to ask people to put money on in June, would Mikey Johnston make the Celtic Champions League squad when we were sitting with 100 million in the bank? Yeah, I think the answer would have been no. You know, there, there's something far wrong the way we this transfer windows went. I, I think, and some of it's down to injuries. Mm. Some players coming in so late that you know it's got that familiar feel with, with Champions League, isn't it? You go, it's here before we're ready, and it's it's like Christmas. You know when it's going to kick off. You know, if somebody says, "Oh, it's Christmas Day," I, I didn't realise. I didn't get the time to get your present. You kind of go, "What's well, 25th of December?" We we know when that is. You should be prepared. And it looks like Celtic have had the Champions League ill-prepared again. They didn't get us the new present of our Jota replacement, have they, Liam? And I think I think fans are expecting that. I'm not sure that we've got as much money in the bank for Jota as we might have expected. When you look at the figures involved in the deal, I don't know if Celtic's cut of that. It's quite what we expected it to be. But there is no Jota replacement present there, is there? And we knew when this was coming. I think in the fullness of time, Yang could be the replacement. Mm. Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think Yang is potentially as good as Jota. Um, We'll have to wait and see. He's still young, new to European football, but I think he's got all the, the, he's got the, the ability. But more importantly, he's got that kind of, arrogance is the wrong word, but that kind of, that gallusness, I think I would say. He's not afraid to take on a man. And I think that's something you really need, especially in Europe. You need to have the guile to, to step up and show what you can do. And I think he's, at least mentally, he's ready to do that. Um, you know, Palma is one that we know nothing about, really. Um, Maeda, you know what you're getting. Uh, Forrest, you know what you're getting. And Abada, I think you also know what you're going to get there. Um, the important thing is, particularly for games away from home, Guys like Maeda and Abada are going to be absolutely crucial in a defensive sense as an outball. Um, I first noticed Maeda when he was playing for Matsumoto Yamaga here a few years ago. And primarily, they, they, I mean, they ended up getting relegated that season. Every game was backed to the wall and he was the outball. He just ran across the front line like a madman, just keeping the ball up, trying to create something. And he did it really, really well. And that was what ultimately got him his move to Yokohama. Um, and I think that, you know, that's the type of play that we're going to need in Europe when, you know, we're away at Atletico Madrid, for example. I think we're going to need a bit of a an outball. And I think Abada and Maeda can both provide that. And then you've got Yang, who maybe not as fast as those two, but he's got the trickery, which can maybe win as a free kick higher up the pitch, take a bit of pressure off. Might even get us a penalty somewhere because it's not Scottish referees we're dealing with. So you never know. Breaking news coming in from Japan is that Kyogo is in the starting lineup for Japan. Turkey Moriyasu has made dramatic changes from the team that faced Germany. K Matsu tells us from YouTube. Thank you for the update. Um, firstly, I hope he comes through that game injury free. Liam, um, you obviously can, can talk a bit to this. Tell us what we expect from that game. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's basically, you know, it's, it, it's the Kieran Cup, so there is a trophy up for it, but it is basically a glorified friendly. Um, and 
when I saw that Maeda and Kyogo were both not featuring against Germany the other night, injuries, regardless of injuries, I thought, right, they're both going to play some part on, on Tuesday because that's just how Moriasu does it with these these games. If you remember back to back in June, Kyogo was, was on the bench for the first friendly against, I think it was Peru, and then he came on and played in the second friendly against, uh, I think it was El Salvador. Um, so Moriasu likes to do that. He likes to kind of rot- when he's got friendly matches. He wants to he wants to have a full look at the full squad that's available to him. So he rotates almost every position if he can. So I think Kyogo might only play a half today because I think he may well get swapped out for Maeda at half time because mm. Maeda primarily plays through the middle for Japan. So mm. I think that's where we'll we'll see him. Well, from our point of view, um, I think we both uh, we want them both just to come through that game injury free. Um, so yep. I'm going to be watching that game and sending us some updates on that as well. Um, and let's hope that they come through that with no injuries. Um, of course, we had been talking a lot about the the Champions League game, the first tie being one week today, but we do have a game before then. And um, before that, we had Dundee. On Saturday, um, Mantis comes in on YouTube saying, if Phillips, Bernardo, Palma don't play against Dundee, I can't see them starting in Rotterdam. would be a huge ask to make your debut away in the Champions League. And it does lead on to the question of what we should expect to see from the side that Rodgers puts out on Saturday. For me, I don't see him having one eye on the Rotterdam game in Rotterdam too much. Um, I think at this stage in the league campaign, with it being so early, we need to remain at full strength. We need to ensure the points are on the board, particularly with the St Johnson slip up in mind. You know, we don't want to afford that again, more from a momentum perspective um, than a points perspective at this stage of the season. But in saying that, you know, I think it'll be a good opportunity to give some players some minutes under their belt who have maybe not had as many as they might have liked at the start of the season, particularly defensively, if not Phillips is now fit. He needs minutes. He needs to see who how he's going to fit into that back line. Needs some time to, you know, bond with his fellow defensive partners. Of course, we'll have been training together, but you can't quite replicate that match situation. Um, again, Alistair Johnston, he came off with a slight knock. Taylor had a slight knock. It could be great to get some of these guys some minutes under their belt too. Abada, there's rumours of him having picked up a slight knock. Will we see him play Lawrence, is that going to be a bit of a conundrum for Brendan on Saturday? There's the balance of we want to get minutes in these players' legs and also the balance of want them fresh for next week and don't want to pick up any more injuries. Totally. You know, I guess that's why he's getting 100 grand a week to, to get this balance right. You know, you know, his Celtic manager is expected to put a, a winning team on the park week in, week out and put a team that does it with a bit of style. You know, but not at the best start to the season. You know, still top of the league though. An end of injury crisis, but those players are going to need minutes, especially in defence, because we're going to be re- relying on that more in, in Rotterdam than we will on Saturday, hopefully. But you'd still want it to be tested a bit, the guys to, get, to be getting some competitive minutes together. So I think we'd probably see Phillips start and it would start with the defence that's going to fa- face Rotterdam. Midfield and forward, we, we know a wee bit more about our players than we should have enough, but 
So I don't think he needs to, to look to the starting line in Rotterdam to pick his midfield and, and forwards for the weekend. But defensively, I think he does. I think he needs to pick the defence he's going to start against Feyenoord. I think that's right, um, Liam, and I think it will be very telling who we see starting. For me, I expect to see um, Alistair Johnson, I expect to see Lagerberg, I expect to see Phillips, and I expect to see Taylor. Um, if they're all fit and able to play, is that is that the same back four that you would start with? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think that in an ideal scenario... You start with more or less the team you want to start with against Feyenoord. And hopefully we're a couple of goals up by half time and then you can rotate out, you know, the, the five five of the players. Um, whoever's looking a bit leggy or whoever, you know, has maybe picked up a knock or whatever, just swap them out um in the second half and just see the game out. Um you know, league it, it it is it's another league game, but these games take on an extra sort of a mental edge when they come off the back of a derby win. Um, you know, historically there's been a few times where we've went out and gubbed Rangers, and then we've slipped up the next week, and it's pretty much nullified what we did in in that game. So we need to be careful of that. There is, you know, there is a historical precedent there which we need to be aware of. Mm. Going forward, Lawrence, like you touched on. Um, do you expect to see more changes put in for the Dundee game? I think for me, it'll be very telling who starts in the wider positions. Um, and there has been the suggestion that Abada has picked up a bit of a knock. The club have obviously remained silent of it. The story seems to have sort of dropped. Um, could be a rumour, could be a little bit fact in it. But it'll be interesting to see if he starts against Dundee, won't it? Yeah. Just get it. Any sign of an injury, you think they dressed him, but you'd be happy with Mayuda and Yang. You know, it's decent white players there, isn't it? Uh, I'd be shocked if it was Mikey Johnston. <laughs> you know, if he came into the picture, I'd really be wondering what was going on. But yeah, Mayuda and Yang, do you think they would they would have enough? If a bad is you know carrying any type of injury, give him a wee bit longer to recover for, from it. But yeah, I think middle to front, we've got enough. You know. <laughs> We, or we should have enough in reserve uh, to take on D, surely. And trusting that everyone comes through tonight's game, sir, this afternoon for the Japan game, injury free, I'd expect to see Kyogo play up front. Um, a player who's got another game even before them, of course, is is Callum McGregor. Um, we expect to see him feature tonight, of course, as Scotland take on England at Hamden. Um a good occasion for, you know, those Tartamari fans out there, a good occasion for Scotland playing England and potentially a very good occasion for Scotland if other results go correctly, meaning that they, they qualify tonight despite the game against England being a friendly. Um, Lawrence, is, I know the priority for you might be uh, Callum McGregor coming through that game safely. Yeah, th- th- that's it. That's all we want, isn't it? Callum to come through safely, yeah. Yeah, no injuries uh, this evening to or today to any Celtic players between the uh, now when we, we play Feyenoord. You just want Cam come through safely. You know, a, a win's all well and good for Scotland. You know, Clark's got them playing some great stuff. Doesn't get any, us any points in the league or the Champions League for that matter. So, yeah. It doesn't, but um, good good experience for the Celtic players featuring that squad. Bad dancer comes in saying hopefully results in our qualifiers go 
our way tonight, um, meaning that Scotland would qualify. What an occasion that would be. Um, so I want to move on to talk, to talk about something something else, something that I did at the weekend um, was go and see the Celtic story. Um, a fantastic show. Um, I'd encourage anyone who hasn't been to go along, experience it. It is a really great reminder of the history of the club, the success that the club has had. And it does make you wonder whether we will see the likes of it again. Um, I'm certainly not talking about the potential of winning a Champions League. I think, unfortunately, those days are probably long gone with the finances involved and the top teams now being in the stratosphere. And I think we're only likely to see that gap get bigger with the possibility of Saudi influence. I'm sure we could have a whole show on that itself. But of course, there are more European competitions now. There's the Europa League, there's the conference. There's no reason why, Liam, we couldn't go on and have another good run in the Europa League and emulate some of that great success that the Celtic story told us all about over the weekend. Mm. Yeah, uh, obviously, being where I am, I've not been able to see the Celtic story this time around, but I did. A little bit far the taxi fare is a wee bit excessive, but um, I did um, I did have the good fortune of seeing it back in 1998 when it was uh, headlined by the the late great Jimmy Logan, and uh, I saw it again in the early 2000s when um, the main cast member was uh, was Annie Ross, um, Jimmy Logan's younger sister, if I remember correctly. Um, really fantastic show then i mean i don't know how much of it has been changed now or updated whatever um but it was a fantastic show um first time i was there um they brought out bobby murdoch as the guest of honor at the end so it was great to see him um back in 1998 um and the second time around i i don't actually remember who it was the second time around to be honest um but it was a it was a fantastic night a great show um really um a really positive um story not just about celtic but about the history of the west of scotland particularly the irish diaspora in the west of scotland um you know i i i wish that there was some way to get like a you know japanese subtitles on the the blu-ray of the of the old version because i would love to show it to my wife as a sort of a, a history, not just of Celtic, but but of Glasgow. I think it's a great story. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. And it is a nice reminder and nice to see it played out in front of you, the, the history of the club, the history that we all know, but seeing it in that format and that show put on by a wonderful cast who are all very talented, it is a great way, Lawrence, to, to remind yourself of the, the history of the club. Yeah, you know, a great celebration of, I suppose, the, the Irish diaspora as well, you know, the talents within that that produce shows like that. You know, it's outstanding and, you know, the very emotional shows to go and see. Uh, I think there's a wealth of plays out there about Celtic, you know, Jim Law's got a couple, hasn't he? You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's, it's just brilliant. You know, it's another strand that makes us more than just a club. Absolutely, it is. Um, and Liam mentioned whether it has been updated since the original version, and it has brilliantly. Um, they've covered the more recent years since the show originally went out. Um, but one update I particularly liked was they had a scene with Patsy Gallagher, and the, the narrator told them that one day his great grandchild would go on and play for Celtic in 2023, scoring goals for the club. 
and the actor playing Patsy Gallagher said, brilliant, what's his name? And he said, <laughs> which is a fantastic update um, as we see Amy Gallagher scoring the goals for Celtic women now this season. Um, and I love that. And it brings me on nicely to talk about the women's team and their European exploits. Um, I know you're both big supporters of the women's team. Um, but as a recap for, for those in the comments who might not have been aware, um, the women's team went into the first round of Champions League qualifying as a result of finishing second in the league last season. Um, and the first qualifying round is like a mini tournament. There's four teams. Two teams play the split in half. Two teams play each other in a sort of semi-final with the two winners going on to play a final to get to the next round. Um, we won the first match against Bromby, our first Women's Champions League win with a goal from Kelly Clark, our captain, which all felt very apt as that will go down in history as a result, um, setting up a final against Valerenga on Saturday night. Um, it was an even game. Uh, I think particularly in the second half, the girls were really on top. They were showing their quality. They were retaining the ball well. They weren't conceding too many chances. Goalkeeper Kelsey Doherty, our new goalkeeper, wasn't tested too much, um, but was really top when she was tested. Um, Girls scored late on to make it 2-1, but deep into injury time conceded a penalty, meaning in normal time finished 2-2. Extra time and penalties. Um, every single penalty was scored until we reached 11-10. The Celtic goalkeeper stepped up to take her penalty and it was saved. Um, a really, really cruel way to exit the competition. 11-10 on penalties. Um, but I'm sure it'll be a massive learning curve for the girls. They play some really good football, which I think will stand them in good stead going into the league campaign. Um, and they'll be looking to bounce back with the win against Hearts tomorrow evening. Lawrence, like I said, I know that you're a, a big supporter of the women's team. They played well on Saturday night, didn't they? It was such a disappointing way to go out. Yeah, totally. Listen, I think uh, the performing way above the level of investment Celtic's putting into them. You know, Fran keeps picking gems, you know, kit up front. You know, I know she signed late last season, but you know, yeah, yeah. amongst the goals again, great. Uh, Shea Mengu out in the wing. I don't think she'll be with us for long, will she? You know, you, you can see her moving. Uh, and it is, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking, you know, to, to see that happen to them. You know, I remember, remember Anton Rogan, yeah. Uh, Snell just saving his penalty, and I think I was nine eight though, wasn't it? It was just before the keepers were going to take. So mm. it's it's got to be absolutely gone for them when we're so close, and that's too. But you know, the end of last season when the girls played, and you know, it was almost the last kick they lost the league on. Mm. Uh, you know, it it's shown something for them that they came back from that, and hopefully, that same thing they can demonstrate against Hearts. You know, coming back from Champions League disappointment, but you know, they're out there, they're doing us proud. I don't know if Celtic are going to move ahead with the, the stadium at Barrafield so as they can hold you know, more games near Celtic Park. Hopefully they definitely hold more in Celtic Park, you know, surface allowing. But it's something you, you want to see Celtic develop more, wouldn't you? It is, absolutely. And the support's there. Um, if you saw the, the games, um, you'll have seen that there were fans who have travelled over to Norway to support our girls and a shout-out to them because the support that they give the club is absolutely Fantastic. Um, so the fans went out to Norway to support them. Um, and we've seen last season the fans turn up in their numbers 
when the games are played at Celtic Park. Um, and we do see them turning up in their numbers at Airdrie as well. But like we've touched on, Lawrence, it isn't ideal. But Liam, like Kevin comes in say on YouTube, Fran is doing great work. Fun to watch him and the squad. And that's very true. I think if you do watch Celtic women play, you do see a very good, fun style of football. They do play quick passing. They are a good team to watch. It's... um. Fran, Fran Alonso is a very special manager because not only has he got the team playing fantastic football, but he's done it consistently over a number of years when, for want of a better phrase, his team basically gets strip-mined every close season. Um, you know, it, it's, it really is frustrating that the Celtic women's team are having so much success, but they're doing it, I think, in spite of the, the direction that the... The, the club are financing it rather than because of the way they're financing it. Um, mm. You know, you and I have had this conversation numerous times. All it would take is a couple of million quid to turn that team into something really special. Mm. And it's really frustrating that, especially when we know how cash rich we are, that we can't just ring fence a couple of million quid just to get the, the ladies up there as the best in Scotland. Because mm. that's all it would take. You're right, and there's a couple of comments coming in on the channel asking about the finances, um, and it doesn't take much. Um, um, the comment they're asking why we're not spending as much as other clubs in Scotland, and the answer to that is I simply don't know. Um, we are capable of doing so. We all know how much money Celtic have got in the bank. We don't have the biggest budget in the league. We don't have the second biggest budget in the league, or even the third biggest budget in the Women's League. So to have them go over... Um, and compete as well as they did in the Champions League is absolutely all credit to them. Um, and I look forward to seeing what they can do domestically this season. Um, and hopefully success continues to breed success, Lawrence. And we need the club to back the women's team. Um, we all know the momentum that women's football is going in. It's growing. It's one of the fastest growing sports in Europe is women's football. Um, and there is so much potential there that we need to make sure that the club tap into by ensuring that the Celtic women's team are the best team in the country. We strive to ensure that our men's team are the best team in the country. I want to see us do the same for the women's team. Oh, I totally, you know, it's been fun to see the likes of Chloe Warrington doing well for, for Glasgow City. You know, Trinity High School pupil come up through the, the academy with Celtic ladies and, and we lose her to City. It's, you know, it's not good. Losing Tash Flint and Liv Ferguson, it wouldn't cost the, the earth to keep them. You know, they, they're definitely... Top level performance for the team. So, yeah, Celtic need to figure out a way. You know, I, th- I think getting more games at Celtic Park. If they go ahead with the the mini stadium at, at Barrafield, holding the rest of the home games there would would you know would go a long way to generate more money. I mean, it's not huge for the season ticket. I think it's eighty quid season ticket to see the women, but it's out in the Airdrie. Just it doesn't feel right, does it? But uh, yeah, they, they need to have a look and think. You know, if we invest this. Even a million, I think, would probably put us top of the pile in, in Scotland. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a bit of ambition there, and you know, and you could have uh, us both going out and 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 flying the flag in Europe. Well, I just want to touch the actually something you were saying about the Celtic story about you know many more chances, you know, in the Europa League. Mm-hmm. Probably this season will be our last because I can't see Rangers winning the league for a long time. I think it's going to be us. So this season's probably our last for Europa League because it's going to be Champions League, you know, 
ad infinitum more or less, isn't it? You know, it's going to take mm-hmm. some kind of uh, miracle for them to, to, to jump the chasm and catch us, especially, you know, Brendan's here for three years. I think we just more or less win the league every year. They'll be further behind. But, yeah, the, the, the board should back the women teams. It's team more. You know, we've got loads of money in the bank just now. It's not like they've spent it on a left back and a keeper, is it? You know, so, you know, do something constructive with it just now. Hmm. I think um, I think when you put it into context, Liam, this current Scottish record transfer fee for a women's player is £35,000. We are hmm. not talking massive sums of money needed here to, to ensure that the the quality is coming into the club. I mean, even at the top level, um, Japan's top scorer at, least at the recent World Cup, Miyazawa, she signed for Man United last week, and I believe the fee was 150000 mm. So, you know, a lot of money for the women's game, but not a lot of money for Celtic if we diverted the appropriate resources. Celtic no, as an entity could definitely afford that. And, you know, we've got form for bringing players out of the Japanese market and doing quite well with them. So why can't we transfer that down to the women's team? Why can't we? Um, I think it would certainly be a good philosophy going forward. And we'll see. Um, the next women's game um, is at the Excelsior. Um, the next women's game is at the Orium as we take on Hearts through in Edinburgh on Wednesday night. So we'd encourage anyone who can to get along and support them there. Lawrence, you're going to tell me before we finish up today about some other Celtic events that are coming up that the listeners might like to know about. Yes, pa- Clara Paradise Promotions has an event on Thursday. Still tickets left to see Stylian Petrov and Arthur Boric, two boys that p- perform miraculously in Europe at times. You know, So call Clara Paradise Promotions if you want to come along and hear about their stories about Celtic. I'm sure uh, Arthur will ha- have some crazy stories to tell us. Yeah, no, it should be a, a good a good night. It's always great, Liam, I think, getting to listen to, to ex-players. I host some of these ex-players nights as well. And I think what we find nowadays is that we get a lot more access as a result of social media. A lot of the things that come out now might not have come out in the past, some of the stories, some of the communications. So getting to go back and hear some of the ex-players um, from, from years gone by tell their stories, give a little bit more insight into them as individuals, them as a team behind the scenes. These are great nights to, to get to hear these sort of things, Liam. Yeah, and I would say enjoy these nights while they're around because such is the money flying around football these days that, I think this might be one of the last generations of professional footballers, at, at definitely at Celtic's level anyway, that will do these kind of nights um, on a regular basis because we're getting to a point now where players, once they retire from football, they basically do not need to work anymore. So, um, yeah, and uh, especially, you know, Stylian Petrov, he's had a tremendous career as a footballer, but he's also had great personal battles off the pitch as well with his illness that he came through and um, he's a guy who whenever you see him on the TV he always speaks so positively about Celtic Um, Mm. always a a, a fantastic spokesman for the club Mm -hmm. and yeah any event that he's at I'd, I'd be happy to go along to it. Again, if I could afford the taxi fare. Just <laughs> <laughs> a bit far away from you, we'll let you off. Um, but no, if you yeah. are interested in any of these nights, do keep an eye on our socials um, and 
find out when the next one is. Celtic State of Mind have one coming up very soon with Chris Sutton at Don Max. Again, Chris Sutton, an excellent storyteller, and I'm sure that's to be a very good night. Another night coming up at Don Max is um, with Simon, Jackie and Charlie Mulgrew, who's recently announced his retirement. That's on Monday the 25th, if anyone's interested in that one. So plenty of um, of nights to go along and hear about these excerpts and hear their, their stories that I'm sure people will enjoy. In terms of today, though, unfortunately, our time is up. Um, next Tuesday, I'm leaving you guys again. Um, Paul John will be back in the hot seat hosting the Tuesday because I will be over in Rotterdam in a Celtic take on Feyenoord, but I will certainly be posting and sending my updates from there. Um, but for now, thank you for everyone um, who joined in in the comments and thank you to Liam and Lawrence for joining today on the Celtic State Mind. Network.